You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as my other show, Enthusiasts, previously called How to Stan, visit 17caratkpop.weebly.com. And sign up for the show's free newsletter for interviews and much more at 17caratkpop.substack.com. Thank you! Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. I do have part two of my best of December and January new music roundup coming. But first, because of some major breaking developments in the K-pop and music business world, I do want to get to that first. It is a fast developing story, so as of recording time, bear that in mind. This is all as of recording time. Maybe things have changed a bit since you're listening. It's a big year because BTS's company, HYBE, just made a big business decision, and there has been some company drama with SM Entertainment. Two connected business stories that also have their separate traits. I want to break it all down for you. I'll keep the economic jargon to a minimum. I promise I'll try to keep your vocab list short. I'll just clarify a few terms, and then we will get into what is going on here. What happened this past week in layman's terms? One is just breaking down what an acquisition is. When you hear that a company has acquired another company, it basically means buying it, but more so just taking ownership of it. Getting full control, basically, of the decisions that company makes going forward. You're the boss's boss, basically, in charge. You own the majority of shares in that company. Minority shareholders do not get the same level of independent decision-making. Now, acquisitions are different than mergers. Acquisitions are more often when there's a power imbalance. Like a company that is much more profitable and or high profile buys up a smaller, less high profile company. Mergers are more often, they're on the same level. They just decide to team up. Acquisitions, not so much a strategic partnership as it is just buying it. Now it could turn into a takeover. There isn't really a substantive difference too much between an acquisition and a takeover, but just in the business world, there is. Technicalities separate them, and obviously, if it's entered a takeover territory that has a more hostile connotation, means not every party is signed off and approved with this deal unconditionally. But the point is that an acquisition gives you control over a smaller company that you bought. Whereas merging is more like you create a brand new thing together. You don't just take under your wing this company, you actually make something brand new by joining forces. So why would you acquire another company? Wouldn't that just give you more expenses? It's a financial burden, right? Well, maybe, but it could also actually help you in the long run. You could actually decrease your lost revenue, make up for more of the money you spend, make up for more expenses with the money brought in by another company. Mainly it's about just diversifying where your company gets money. So let's say with COVID, for example, live concert platforms took a hit. But if you ran a live event service during the peak of COVID when all the tours were canceled, but you acquired a live stream platform or even something less related, a merch company, an artist album distributor, with a diversified portfolio, less of a percent of your net gain comes from ticket sales and therefore you take less of a hit when that one sector of the economy isn't doing well. It's also good just diversifying in terms of ways you can make money. Because if you feel like you've exhausted all their options, like with this example, if there's nowhere else to turn, there's nowhere else to increase the profit of your ticketing service even more, then you might want to turn to, well, maybe I can even add another revenue stream through partnering up with a merch company. 
finding ways to get revenue in different ways at once, which could really pay off big time in the long run. So it's actually no surprise, if you think about it that way, why Hyde is so into acquisitions the past few years. Why Big Hit Music really became Hybe and started investing heavily in smaller companies. And it's because once you have BTS on your roster, there's nowhere higher to go. There's no one to surpass that bar in terms of financial benefit for the company. Okay, we've exhausted that option for how to make a profit. Let's diversify more where we can get new revenue streams because we've reached a ceiling. It also makes a lot of sense for Hybe to acquire a lot because it's a good way for companies to get into other markets in other countries. You save money and time on years of trying to make it, trying to get your company, networking, getting good contacts, entering the world of industry, insiders in another country. No, you have an easy in relatively if you just, instead of just out of the blue, try to make your company get name recognition elsewhere, you have someone else helping you spread the word and promote it, who already has a base there and can help you localize your company's services to meet the needs of that area geographically. So the main reasons people acquire are to gain a foothold in other parts of the world, to diversify their portfolios, where they get their money, to help lessen the amount of debt they could have, offset it more with higher profits. And lastly, because a foundation is already set up by some companies, not necessarily geographically, but technologically, and in terms of intellectual property, Again, huge time and money saver if instead of trying to, from scratch, start your own metaverse activity, for example, just enter a partnership with a metaverse company. They've done the groundwork for you for how to get into that business. Now let's talk about a tender offer, which is the term being used to describe, as of recording time, what Hyde is planning to do in terms of take on SM Entertainment shares. A tender offer is basically, let me use a Spongebob analogy, because I love Spongebob analogies, as you know if you're a long-time listener. So remember when Spongebob runs the Pretty Patties booth, booth outside his house that sells rainbow patties, food coloring filled patties. It's a big marketing hit, but Mr. Krabs was like, no it's not. So Spongebob, after pitching it to the Krusty Krab and getting ignored, was just like, fine, I'm going to sell these in my own little place outside my house. They became a hit, the whole town loved them. Mr. Krabs then says, you know what, fine. I will take on the Pretty Patty stand. I will gain control of it. You get the Krusty Krab in exchange. This is not a good analogy, but I'm this far into it and I'm going to make it work. So he basically frames it as, you've got this popular but dinky little stand, or you could get the big, exciting Krusty Krab. Why don't I take this off your hands and you take over the Krusty Krab? That's kind of a tender offer. Basically, it's, hey, I will buy you out of your current situation and give you something better. So a tender offer in the case of Hype and SM Entertainment is, hey, I will buy you out of your shares in the company. Lee Su Man, I'll take this off your hands. And I will give you a premium. Let me buy this and I will take it off your hands. In this analogy, really we're talking about other SM Entertainment shareholders. It's a way to say, I'm going to take over the pretty petty stand. You guys, you shareholders, you can bow out now and get a nice severance deal kind of a thing. Severance is the wrong word here. A tender offer is basically an incentive to buy someone out of their shares. So you not only are like, I will buy your shares, get you out of the company, but I'll do so at a premium. Like, act now shareholders and you will get a bigger price deal at the end of the day than you would normally. 
an above-average sale is happening, basically. It's a way to really offer and say, hey, I would like to get in on this, giving you a heads up so you can sell now before I might change the value so you can just get your money now and it's a way to get people to be out of the equation. So then shareholders might be like, yeah, the market is unpredictable right now. I just want to get out while this deal is offered. So at least I'm guaranteed a pretty good amount of money. Okay, take all my shares. Also, sometimes the offer comes with what's called an escape clause, which is a way to basically avoid future liability if that deal turns out to have been a dud, so they can't sue you for what you did to basically kick them out. This is kind of a gamble, though, when this public bid is offered. So the cons of offering a tender offer are that you could lose money if the deal turns into a takeover, turns into a hostile disagreement, not just an amicable decision. So Hive, by offering to buy out SM Entertainment shareholders, they could win big, but they could also risk adding to this takeover status if not all parties want to be bought out of their deal, basically. Another con is also that often a tender offer involves a ton of time and resources. It really can slow down the process and increase the chance of it turning hostile because of how drawn out it is. And it just takes up a lot of time and resources because there are SEC filings to make. There can be legal fees. It can turn into a whole extra cost. So those are the big terms to know. Acquisition, you buy the company, you own the majority of its shares. Merger, you're not buying it to be the boss of it. You're just partnering up and creating something brand new, combining with that company. Tender offer, You giving shareholders a heads up that you might actually want to take stock in a company so they can sell now. With all this in mind, a quick history of what Hybe has been up to and then how SM Entertainment has changed over time financially. Bang Seahyuk, aka Mr. Bang, started Big Hit Entertainment February 1st, 2005. By 2007, they didn't really have a return on investment here. Remember, this was a time with the big three in K-pop, just a few big K-pop companies. The others were really struggling. It was not the big, diverse world of K-pop companies it is now. Of course, there's still market dominance with the big three, now big four with Hyde, but the economic environment in 2007 for a K-pop company that wasn't already established was really rough. They really were nearing bankruptcy. They lucked out, though, by signing A8, a vocal trio who actually pretty much saved the company with the success of the album they released in 2009. The next year, Big Hit Entertainment was like, we should have a partnership, a joint management in a way to expand our reach. So they teamed up to co-own the boy band 2AM with JYP Entertainment. 2010 was also the year that RM was the first BTS member to be signed to Big Hit. In 2012, they actually worked with Source Music to make a girl group, Glam. It's a whole aside, a whole separate story I won't get into here, but Glam actually lasted just two years in part because of a whole blackmail scandal. One of them was criminally held responsible for blackmailing. It's a whole irrelevant thing to our discussion, but anyway, it's interesting. So that initial attempt at working with Source Music, it's just very odd in hindsight because now they've acquired Source Music. So 2012, Glam was formed. 2013, BTS debuted. 2014, Glam ended. And the 2AM joint management contract expired. Although one member, Lee Changman, did decide to stay and became part of a new big hit group, Home, a duo. 
And this was the year 8-8 disbanded. So things are turbulent right now with Big Hit. And then they got acquired. Big Hit was acquired by Signal Entertainment Group in the spring of 2015. But by early 2016, they reached a settlement and got rid of that arrangement. So partnerships had kind of faltered. The acquisition kind of faltered. Big Hit Entertainment was still finding its way. But people started really gaining faith towards the potential in Big Hit. As BTS grew, this meteoric rise, especially by 2017 which is when the gaming company Netmarble took interest, saw potential, and came to be Big Hit's second largest shareholder. 2018, Home disbanded, Chainman left, although the other member of Home stayed to be a soloist under Big Hit. But when they first published their very first public earnings report, they reported $29 million in operating profit and $82 million in revenue. By summer 2018, things were really picking up in terms of companies willing to do business and seeing promise in Big Hit. CJENM then decided to team up with Big Hit to own B-Lift Lab. B-Lift Lab would be a new subsidiary they co-owned almost equally, with Big Hit obtaining 48% of ownership, 52% to CJENM. By October 2018, Big Hit surpassed over a trillion won in valuation. A massive, massive thing for a K-pop company. Really groundbreaking moment. The momentum just kept snowballing. In March 2019, TXT debuted. That became obviously a huge success. They reported that compared to 2017, they had reached a 132% rise in sales, plus operating profit rose 97%, net profit 105%. And Lenzo Yoon went from CBO to co-CEO. March 2020, right as the pandemic was hitting, their total value was around $5 billion. They were in pretty good shape. And they weathered the pandemic really impressively well. Still, despite the pandemic halting concert plans, revenue they got from merch was up 53%, and live stream content revenue up 66%. At the end of the year, they reported their best quarter performance of all time during 2020, which really boosted investors' confidence in Big Hit. And that's also when Big Hit acquired another company, KOZ. Earlier that year, back in May, they had become the majority shareholder, meaning they kind of controlled, became the boss of, Pleas Entertainment. The Belif Lab co-venture boy group debuted in November, and hyphen. January 2021. Big Hit Entertainment got another special partnership, this time with BNX, which would later rebrand to Weaver's Company Inc. after Navar got involved, which is a whole side story. Together, Big Hit and BNX invested a combined $63 million in YG+. The next month, they had another partnership on the books, a strategic partnership announced between Big Hit Entertainment and Universal Music Group. Big Hit then got pretty cocky, but rightfully so, investing over $3.6 million in Supertone, an artificial intelligence music company. The big, big, big rebranding, overhaul in branding, which I broke down in past episodes, like the one called Hype Hopes, that rebranding took place. The company officially became not Big Hit Music, but Hype, with Big Hit labels as like a subset. That is when they moved headquarters, they had a big public press conference announcing their makeovers, their future plans. 
Carlyle Group, who is a minority shareholder, sold its stake in Ithaca Holdings. They basically took an offer to sell their stake and kind of get out of the way, basically, as a partnership formed between Ithaca Holdings and Hybe. May of 2021, Showroom, a streaming service in Japan, teamed up with Hybe. And Hybe was also teaming up with the Korean Language Education Foundation. And Weavers invested in Fave, a social media app. So they're investing, they're forming more partnerships in more areas, now into AI, live concerts, apps, gaming. They're just doing everything. So with that intent to clearly diversify what they're all about, it really is a no-brainer if you think of it that way, why they would have a big acquisition coming up, bigger than ever. But Mr. Bang resigned as CEO in July. The new Hybe America co-CEOs became Lenzo Yoon and Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun, manager to the stars, Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, huge, huge, huge figure for networking, for being considered an A-list in the music industry. If you're in good standing with Scooter Braun, that's huge for investor confidence. The confidence in a company builds on itself. That July is also when the Hybe Japan subsidiaries had a merger had an integration into one big Hybe Japan. November 2021, Hybe announced another partnership with Dunamu, which would get them into the metaverse business. This deal was very friendly to Dunamu, giving them 5.6% stake in Hybe when Hybe only got 2.5% stake in Dunamu. That November is also when they announced another subsidiary had formed, Adore, All Doors One Room, which would give us new jeans, the girl group. January 2022, the intellectual property bonanza began with more merch than ever and the explosively popular webtoon series that started with BTS's Seven Fates Chaco. This past July, Hybe announced their big multi-year deal with the Walt Disney Company, Asia Pacific. That's why now BTS documentaries and stuff have made it to Disney+. Plus. So Hybe went from near bankruptcy to surpassing a trillion won in value. For context, that's about $838 million. I did go into a deeper, more in-depth timeline of SM Entertainment's economic transformation in episodes in the past, like Boafied Popstar, but I will just give a quick condensed summary here of big milestones for them. Lee Soo-man founded SM Entertainment back in the 80s. He very much intentionally mixed global and local trends. He was really focused on world domination, basically, right off the bat. And this approach he viewed as three steps. Localizing content, globalizing its appeal, then localizing it again. Personalizing it to attract that certain geographic group, then expanding and exporting it, then getting that soft power to influence more local areas worldwide. This formula, and the way he just traveled and took back to South Korea with him, a ton of influences in terms of dancing, singing, performances, what people wanted in the music industry. He brought those Western trends back to South Korea and led to huge success both locally and abroad. There was H.O.T. breaking into the Chinese market in 96. Boa broke into the Japanese market in the early 2000s. I will say, though, H.O.T. actually took off in China more than they even expected, but then Boa, in her Japanese push, was more conscious, more overt, in the early 2000s especially. Apropos of nothing, I do want to just bring up the fact that Lee Soo-min was a folk singer back in the 70s. That's just a fun fact that people forget. SM Entertainment was not off the bat successful either. 
Back in 97, when HOT debuted, they had about seven employees, really just getting by. In my first episode of 2023, I believe, where I reviewed the SM Town Concert of the Year, I also recapped the marketing angle SM Entertainment clearly wants, the brand image they're working on, how that's evolved a bit, and what to expect from them this year in terms of their reputation. But for now, just remember that they are very overtly trying to lean into a reputation for sustainability, being the face of an eco-friendly movement, being altruistic, and being a leader also in the digital space, in the technological revolution. And yes, we talked in that episode about some inherent contradictions of energy-intensive digital focus and the environmental goals they have, but we already talked about that, so I'll put that aside for now. The dual focus they have. With this in mind, it actually makes sense why SM Entertainment would find common ground business-wise with Big Hit for more than just the fact they're both in music. But they both see similar aspirations for their global reputations about connection, the greater good, and technology, getting into the metaverse, that sort of thing. They also seem to be aligned in terms of just structural preferences with all the subsidiaries they have that have some autonomy in how they run day to day, but are still ultimately owned by them. So they both seem very on the same page when it comes to the acquisition upsides they see. So them doing business together, not as surprising as you'd think, just from an economic perspective. Similarly, there seems to be a focus on new avenues for making money for American companies, and that's why Scooter Braun has really been all in on this deal. Scooter Braun, since this summer, has become the sole CEO of Hybe America. Lenzo Yoon is no longer involved. Braun runs the show, which is interesting timing because his client, Justin Bieber, recently sold his catalog to Hypnosis for $200 million. So now he's really in charge, ready to focus on Hybe America's new artists, like a new boy band they'll create through a reality show. More on that in a bit. Now let's talk the latest developments in just over the past couple of weeks, because it's been a whirlwind. February 3rd of 2023, Lee Soo was on an overseas trip, which is when the other people in charge were presenting the plans for SM 3.0, what they call their new business chapter. With kind of subtle shade, subtweeting energy, where they were talking about wanting to bring SM Entertainment in a new direction, like away from Lee Soo ownership. I talked in recent past episodes about this with the whole like planning situation. Yeah, I know there are a lot of sub stories here we have to put aside for now. It's a lot. But basically the long and short of it is Lee Soo Mian was involved in like planning this company that led to kind of disputes about how much money he was taking, how much he was fairly or unfairly getting financially compensated for the arrangement. And Lee Soo Mian has since basically left his previous role overseeing. Look, it's a long story, but tension is there. The SM 3.0 plan is big, involving the creation of over five big production centers with their own internal functions and more creative and functional independence. So kind of the high model of you're the new boss, but you kind of still have hands off when it comes to just daily operations. So over five production centers, their work will be split into. They also announced plans to debut another virtual artist and three new groups this year. Lee Soo-man apparently fractured his arm during his overseas travel. He flew back to South Korea and went to the hospital, so the report indicates that's really why he flew back so soon, but some speculate it's because of 
He was mad about the business decisions being made that he had not signed off on, when maybe the whole point was that he wouldn't know, and he found out anyway. Very weird. But investors are still not shaken, and Keiko became the second largest shareholder in SM around this time. Within 48 hours of Keiko buying so many shares in SM, over 9% of them, Lee flew back to South Korea. So 3.0 plans announced, then Keiko becomes a huge shareholder, and Lee Soo-man, within 48 hours, has flown back and threatened a lawsuit. He claimed, hey, you just violated South Korea's Commercial Act, which we will get back to in a minute. Someone in his corner, a fellow executive, Kim Ming-jeon, signed off on a company-wide email, voicing concerns with this arrangement and saying, hey, stop making decisions with him not aware. He needs to still sign off on stuff. He deserves to be more involved. Why are you leaving him in the dark, basically? Basically slamming their decision to make this big decision publicly without his sign-off. But amidst all this, Hype got into the picture and made public interest in offering a tender offer to SM. By February 10th, Lee Soo-man did not have stake anymore in the company because the contract was signed to give Hybe his shares. So Hybe has acquired 14.8% of SM Entertainment stock. It's a deal worth over 422 billion won. Reports claim that Lee Soo-man is very okay with them offering minority shareholders a tender offer. So maybe he is okay with working with Hybe. His discontent comes from the internal strife at work and the SM 3.0 plans. So there's separate dramas here about the Hybe acquisition, acquiring stock situation versus SM Entertainment changing of the guard stuff. Lee Soo-man had his lawyer issue a statement saying basically that he's dissatisfied and the potential for pending litigation means that they can't move forward yet, get more parties involved, and due to potential pending litigation, kind of implying he might sue, this is not the time to have this new deal reached between the different parties. The big source of tension seems to be that when Keiko invested so much, they also kind of teamed up with SM into a bigger agreement that became a trilateral deal because there's Keiko and there's Keiko Entertainment. Yeah, apparently the subsidiary Keiko Entertainment is like a separate company that makes this considered a trilateral deal. There's lots of financial particulars we won't go into, but Keiko got involved, Hybe got involved, and Lee Sumia feels like the odd man out. The current co-CEOs of SM plus 25 top company executives issued a statement denying their approval of this change, saying they, quote, are against the hostile M&A, merger and acquisition. They sound like they think, hey, if we go through with this idea and have Hybe get involved more, Keiko get involved more, we're basically going through with what Lee Soo-man might actually benefit from and like more and he should be more out of the picture. Quote, We will move away from the past, in which one person reaped all authority in its awards. We will enhance our artists and share the joys in awards together. SM Entertainment will walk each step with our employees and shareholders as we prepare to take our new leap forward. Unquote. Internal strife mixed with external parties. In conclusion, yikes. Now, outside of all of this, the tender offer for Hybe to get more control, Keiko getting more involved, Lee Soo-man feeling out of the loop, internal strife, aside from all that, in the same week, Hybe spent big on acquiring quality control, a hip-hop label that has to do with sports and stuff too, not just music, really diversifying Hybe's portfolio and helping them enhance their footprint in America. 
Quality Control is the label behind Migos, City Girls, Lil Yachty. They spent $320 million on the deal. Hype went from nearly broke to, in one week, spending well over $600 million split between the Quality Control purchase and the SM Entertainment shares. Although Quality Control's founders will stay involved and be shareholders still, 100% of Quality Control shares went to Hype. Interesting aspects I want to highlight. One is that Quality Control also has an existing relationship with Universal. So Universal Music Group has already worked with Quality Control and Hive. So that is probably a factor in this decision. They are just building on a foothold they already gained together. What's also notable is that as the sole CEO of Hybe America, this is Scooter Braun's first decision. Yeah, he's going big with his very first relatively unilateral business decision. Worth noting is that by acquiring Ithaca Holdings, now Hybe is in control of all of Scooter Braun's affiliated Ithaca Holdings property, including SP Projects, which has the pop artist Justin Ariana, but also Big Machine Label Group, which has a bunch of country artists. And Quality Control has rap and hip-hop artists, so you could see they really are diversifying here. Hype Japan continues to be worth looking at, because actually Harumi Tosaka from J-Soul Brothers, the J-pop group, he's working on a new girl group from Hype Labels Japan, plus the new boy group and team is just getting started, so definitely keep your eyes on that. But also all these labels, throughout the year they have all big plans individually, and now the financing to boot. What several stories have in common that at first doesn't seem like it is the tender offer and Justin Bieber selling his catalog. Remember, a tender offer is about incentivizing people to sell their shares, and then you own them and you could do what you want with them. So you could take a risk and lose money if you didn't choose wisely, or you could reap benefits for years to come with others out of the picture. So the reason that Justin Bieber sold his catalog for $200 million, and why actually he's just one of many, many, many artists who seem these days to be selling their catalogs, is because they want that too, the upfront offer. You could say, I'll just hold on to this and hope it keeps giving me financial benefits. Or I just want a full check right now, give me the $200 million, and then in the future I'll see diminishing returns compared to what it used to be because the company I sold the catalog to will take a portion of the proceeds from now on. But at least I have this upfront payment. Just take the money while it's there. That's kind of the attitude more are having because of the weird uncertainty that comes with the music industry in the streaming era. They just want an upfront guarantee and then they'll worry about the rest later. Now this is different than selling your masters. If you sell like the masters then it's kind of all out of your hands. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about selling a catalog which means you haven't really given up your music. You've shared the promotional ability. You've given up some ownership in promoting with that music. So now they can do what they want with it. So you give up some power over it but not the same as a masters getting sold. Universal Music still owns Justin Bieber's recordings. Hypnosis can do what they want with some of it and get some of his future royalties, but Universal Music ultimately is still its home. Now, how do they know what price to sell for? How did they land on $200 million? That's a good question, <laughs> because there isn't really a, a set formula for this. It's kind of guesswork, but isn't the whole stock exchange guesswork? It's all social consensus about how much a company value is up or down compared to whatever else is going on. Just sort of a socially defined construct. Like, yeah, I think this company is, that makes it more or less valuable. It's an interesting sociological concept.
There is not a science to it, but because this market the past few years has become so popular, the buying music catalogs market, the prices are getting bigger. So 200 million maybe wouldn't have been the asking price a couple years ago, but now that more artists are doing this, the bidding war is hotter. What's extra interesting too is not just the massive price, but that Justin Bieber is still so young. Because one reason to do this is if you're getting to a later part of life, you just kind of want to know your kids and grandkids will be okay financially. So then it makes sense to just sort of have one last big cash out. But at the end of the day, it is easier to divvy up money over divvying up publishing rights to your work. So some people just pick their battle and want to worry about how they spend their actual cash versus how they decide in the future how much they actually own just broadly, abstractly in terms of intellectual property that kind of thing. Lastly, what this means for the future. So first of all, Hype is doing super well. Any SM Entertainment drama I don't see having some economic negative effect on Hype. Hype is being pretty smart here, I think. I think Hype's tender offer is still a pretty good bet. Now given the internal drama with SM, as a recording time still ongoing and very unresolved, shareholders are probably keen to get bought out and no longer worry about their investments in the company, so they might take the offer. The offer is looking good right now. So Hybe is really on top right now still, and they really are doing what an acquisition is all about, about that diversifying foothold in different parts of the world, in different markets, etc. So I just think Hybe is business-wise doing all the smart stuff. Now SM Entertainment, I don't have as much of a clean summary for you about what happened this past week or so, because there are a lot of conflicting reports about leadership, who knew what when. I will keep you posted. It's a very fast developing story, but this is what I know so far. In terms of legal odds, though, I'm not a lawyer, but what I have researched and a link to on my site, as always, about Korean law is that in South Korea, if you want to claim they violated the Commercial Act, which Lee Soo-min reportedly claims they did, you have to prove three things to hold them liable. One is that they had an obligation to you that they failed to satisfy. Two, four grounds attributable to the other party. Not only did they have the obligation, but they also had the need to have the onus on them, the accountability go to them, if they didn't come through. The buck stops with them. So you prove they had an obligation, that the buck did stop with them, and then part three is proving they actually caused damage to yourself, your party, so that their decision to violate a contract had a negative impact on you. That third element is what Lee Sumin would probably have the hardest time proving because SM Entertainment financially is still doing pretty well. So to prove damage was inflicted by a decision made behind his back, not a guarantee that could happen. If investors get super nervous and stock value declines and all that stuff, maybe that could be used as proof to say that this industry shakeup violated a contract with Lee Sumin, but I don't know. Keep in mind, parts one and three, the plaintiff has to prove. So Lee Sumi would have to prove they had an obligation to him that they didn't fulfill and that they had caused damage to his company. Part two, which is about just the actual liability needed, the buck stops with them requirement, proving that, that falls on the defendant. The new owners of SM, who announced the SM 3.0 plans, etc., they would have to prove the second part. But two-thirds of it, Lee Sumian would have to do, so it could be a very long, drawn-out court battle, ownership battle, or it could be weird and resolved very quickly, a weird misunderstanding, 
that is resolved in a few days. So as much as I just tried to kind of condense everything that's happening, it is very unusual in many ways. The size and scale of this deal and all of the dynamics within it. Huge week, to say the least, in K-pop music news. And the future of this deal is just so uncertain because the actual status of everything is so new. Everything about this is just not your average sale, not your average companies we're talking about. We're talking about two massive juggernauts who really dominate in K-pop and the music world, period. So there's just so much at play. So much is unpredictable. So stay tuned. I will definitely cover developments on this show. I hope this was clarifying, but if you do have further questions or just want to read the legal and business reporting that I was looking into to inform my recap for you today, I link to that stuff on my site and you can also message me on socials or directly in this episode if you're listening on Spotify, there's a Q&A box. Thank you all for tuning in today for the recap and I will talk to you all again very soon. Bye everybody!